Hi, I'm Dan Wilton. I'm the CEO of First Mining Gold. First Mining is a gold project developer advancing two primary projects, our Springpole Gold Project uh, and our Duparquet Gold Project, both located in Canada and both advancing through the development process. They are indeed. They are indeed. And you're here in Europe telling everyone all I'm about it. Delighted to be here in person. It's been, uh, I guess, Quebec City was the last time we saw each other. Yeah, yeah, but nicer over there than... We're, the weather we're experiencing. Oh, here. it's like, all okay. We, you're it's in the UK. Okay. We better talk about the weather all the time. Yeah, no, okay? that's fine. I live in Vancouver, so, you know, yeah. True, true. It's all your hey, right, one to one, I hear it's pumping and rocking over there. You've just come from the the hot, you hoofed it over here. Yep. Hot off the press news is what? Uh, it's very busy. Right. So I think record number of companies that are there yep. presenting. And this is the first, I think the first real, call it post COVID properly attended one-to-one, 150-plus companies, as I understand it, which is significantly up from where it's been in the last few years. And good attendance from investors so far. Our our meetings today seem to have been, you know, uh, it's been pretty well attended with educated investors who are actually doing homework and looking at the development sector. Kids. Yeah. Kids. I want to understand the, the type of investor. Obviously, it's, it's set up sort of as a retail thing. There's also institutional guys have not really been common at these one-to-one yeah. events. So are we, is that changing? Are you seeing any sense of that, uh, that changing? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, they're always there on the marquee when they're getting companies to sign up to make sure, sure. they know that here's all the institutions who are going to be joining. I think, uh, you know, my experience has been that you usually will get a couple on your schedule that will, you mm. know, make it all worthwhile. But I've heard today, you know, interestingly, that... Um, some bigger institutions are starting to look at the development space again, right? And this is, it. if we're trying to give things that give a sense that we are at a bottom and it feels like the turn, mm. you know, that big institutional investor looking at big development projects has been scarce yeah. over the last three or four years. Well, they do know how to time it, usually. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, and no, we're, for we're, sure. We're, we're, I think the kidneys, is that we're, we're hearing the same thing. We're yeah. seeing the same sorts of things. And looking to deploy capital. Yeah. Because they don't deploy it, they'll lose it. Yeah. Um, but they've got to deploy it somewhere where the risk, risk is, I, I guess, um, it's further down the risk curve, yeah. let's put it like that. Okay, so that's all kind of good news. Yeah. And it's usually, well, are we going to use green shoots? Dare we at this early stage? Well, listen, I, I think it's uh, the deep value play, right? We talked about this the last time mm. we spoke. It's like everything is on sale and particularly the developers. Mm. You know, I've been doing this for almost 30 years now. Um, developers, I can only think of maybe one or two other real crisis moments where you've had developers valued broadly as a sector where they are now at kind of 0.2 to 0.3 times nav, like that 20 to 30 bucks an ounce. Those are extraordinarily attractive entry prices for later stage advancing well understood projects, right? And what people have always, they've been associating development with risk and I think right now, people are starting to understand if that push down to $1,600 gold mm. was really testing the bottom, we really think this is the turn, mm. then investors know that the, the, the place you're going to get the best leverage is in the developers. Not just because they're on sale, but also because they inherently have, you know, relative to explorers often, 
you know, shorter time frames to development. They're better understood. A lot of those, a lot of the key risks in a development have already been, you know, studied or, you know, otherwise mitigated. So mm. I think it's a really interesting time. But just, yeah, call it green shoots. This is the first time, you know, we've heard today uh, about a big fund manager who's starting to look, you know, back at the development spots. I've got a better one than that. You, you took part in our contrarian um, series. Yeah. So we're just talking about, so, I should say, discounted stocks. I'm, I'm not saying we're, you're always undervalued. These yes. companies are always undervalued. But discounted yeah. to, you know, the, 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 the average position you expect to see, see these companies in. And I saw this in an institutional uh, deck. They're talking about discounted stock and contrarian investing. I quite, I'm going to take that as a win. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I like, I like the, the fact that the narrative has changed. I yeah. think that's the interesting bit because it, it suggests that momentum is changing too. And so I'm, I'm not here to pump up unnecessarily yeah. you know, precious, precious metals just for the sake of it, but I think I'm more interested in the investor's attitude and potential changing a momentum yeah. behind this. You guys are going through tax loss season in, in, in Canada at the moment. So yeah, it's been pretty re- savage. Retail and- kind of, that's where they're at at the moment, yeah. like just dealing with that. Traditionally, third week, fourth week of January, kind of things kind of pick up again. But I yeah. just wonder if move some institutional guys like that in terms of trying to work out who's here at the zoo will help, should do. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, this is really the first time we've seen in years that it's it's something that's coming back into focus. And the mm. biggest thing, Matt, is I think it just signals the confidence in the fact that we've really tested the bottoms, right? Mm. I think they were hesitant as gold was coming down from, let's say, you know, mid to late 2020, mm. coming down from that 2,000, level. Everyone, you know, had in the back of their mind, there's this great collapse that's going to come and we're going to be back at $1,100 gold and it's a terrible business. Well, I think we've hit it pretty hard a couple of times at Mm $1,600 and now with this bump up, I just, it feels like in the, in the gold and silver has kind of done the same thing. It feels like this is something that's giving more confidence to the base levels longer term. And if you believe in those base levels longer term, then from a fundamental value perspective, the developers are incredibly cheap. Absolutely. Okay, so there's the good news, folks, (laughs) on the macro. Yeah. What do you do, Dan, to take advantage of that? Well, I think for us, it's the same strategy we've had all along. You know, we have a portfolio of assets that we can um, do things to to try and keep ourselves well-funded going forward. Mm. But we've always been about surfacing the fundamental value and de-risking these projects. And so what do we do? We keep going. So Springpool, you know, we've, uh, we, we've submitted the uh, draft environmental assessment in May. We've now got all the comments back from the regulators, which is really interesting because it gives you a, a perfect snapshot on what everyone's mindset is around permitting this project. And so far, you know, there's a whole process that we go through now to answer those questions and go back and forth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's no real surprises that we've seen that have come out of that, which I think is very positive for us. So we keep going on that. And ultimately, as we've always said, you know, not to borrow a phrase from hockey legend Wayne Gretzky, but you want to be skating to where the puck's going to be, right? We want to have these projects that we have ready when the industry is going to need them most. Because the first thing that's going to happen is smart portfolio investors are going to say, okay, you know, undervalued, the sector is coming back into favor. I want to get leverage. You'll start investing in developers again. 
And then when they start moving, you will start having strategic investors and big mining companies mm. coming back into the business of extending their reserve lives and developing new projects, which they've been kind of loath to do over the last two or three years. A couple of things. Um, you've got scale. Yes. Right? You've got answers. Yeah. So for you, going and finding more answers isn't necessarily, you know, priority. I appreciate it will happen. Mm. But it's not priority. What you need is economic answers, or more economic than they currently are answers, because that obviously, that's how you make money. We're in the yeah. money-making game here. But people looking in, whether they be JV partners, whether they be acquirers, whether, well, whether it be the market looking to see, well, are these guys going to get into production? Can they do it economically? Mm. All the audiences that you need to please all of the time <laughs> need, need answers to those things, right? So, and that requires money. So I appreciate yep. you've got a bunch of options in terms of assets. Yep. You've got a bit of money at the, at the moment, but you've also got two big, hungry assets which need to be moved forward. So how do you do it? So uh, in this environment, you know, we, uh, we did have to spend $10 million of, uh, of our cash to acquire Duparquet. Yeah. Um, we did that with confidence, knowing that we were acquiring 5 million ounces in the heart of the Abitibi at $5 an ounce, right? Talked about that on the contrarian move. So what it, what it leads to, though, is that we need to sort out some longer-term capital opportunities in order to make sure that we're still fully funded. Um, sometimes that means that you got to prioritize on some of the things right. that you're going to spend money on this year. And some of the things you don't need to spend money on this year, you'll push off. So or, some us, of the, or some of the things you need to offload? Or some of the things you need to offload. And that's, we've said the, the one thing, you know, we may not like the price of some of the marketable securities that we've had. Our partners are doing great jobs moving these projects forward. Mm -hmm. But the only thing I hate more than selling their shares is selling our shares, exactly, right? right? So we've also got the royalty portfolio, you know, which is important and probably the most marketable piece of mm -hmm. the kind of strategic holdings that we have. We've got project interests in Pickle Crow and in Hope Brook. You know, those are carried through to pretty significant milestones, construction decisions, feasibility studies. But we still have a number of other cash payments coming in from those deals, royalty buyback opportunities. So, you know, I think we need to demonstrate that yeah. we can turn some of those assets on the balance sheet into cash to stretch our runway. We've still got big opportunities to write royalties on a couple of the bigger projects. On Duparquet, we acquired with no royalty. Mm -hmm. So 5 million ounces in the Abitibi is a 1% royalty worth something there. Absolutely it is. You know, Springpool is getting a little bit encumbered now with the Silver Stream and a net mm. royalty of about 1.5%, but there's still some room there. So for some of the bigger, chunkier funding, you just have to look at all of those options. Yeah. And then prioritize some of the work. And we've done this particularly with the feasibility on Springpool. Uh, there's some of the work that we need to do that the engineers want to see, you know, a small field program, particularly on, you know, geotech and on hydrogeology and on waste rock characterization. Important things, but kind of confirmatory. Mm. We can push those out, you know, for maybe we don't do that this field season. Right. We, uh, we look at doing that next field season because we don't need a feasibility study till closer to our EA approval, which we're targeting kind of mid-2025. Exactly. So these are small variables which you get to move. You collectively, the board, get to decide and define the rate that things need to advance. Yep. Given the market conditions. Now that's why I was quite keen to talk about, you know, green green shoots. Yeah. Because you know, that 
maybe releases some of the coffers or maybe changes some of the plans. But yeah. it's still a bit early because they're just green sheets. Yeah, you want to yeah, be yeah. Really certain, right? Because the cost of money right now is super, super expensive. I appreciate yeah. all the different options that you have. Yeah. And maybe won't get full value right now, but it might release a lot more value if, if, you, if you do make some nice moves. Your job is making sure that your shareholders understand that yep. and don't get angry with you about... And then maybe the feasibility study comes out right. in 24 instead of 23. Right? Yeah. No, exactly. Those are fine things to say, but you've got you to signal those early. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. And we've been doing a lot of work on that program and setting up those programs right at this time mm. uh, because it's the time you go through and set your budgets and get the programs uh, set up for next year. So the one thing that I am going to just challenge in, in what you'd said about the exploration side, mm -hmm. we intend to have a very big exploration program, both Why? regionally in the Bertucci Why? and at Duparquet because every ounce above $5 million that you can show related to these projects adds significant strategic value. Why? Because the only thing better than a 5 million ounce project, in a case of Springpole, is 5 million ounces and control of a 70,000 hectare, almost untouched greenstone belt. Because what, what, that what? is so important mm -hmm. to the strategic parties who ultimately might look at this as a cornerstone asset to know, sure, we've got 300,000 ounces a year of base case production here, but hey, We've got 20,000 meters of drilling that was done, you know, 30 years ago and into some high-grade structures that are right next door. Well, if you can define what some of those are, maybe move those forward in a mine plan conceptually, or maybe not in a mine plan. It won't be in a feasibility study, but at least they know that it's there to give that real strategic life. The higher-grade ounces can bump the production up over you know, over 400,000 ounces a year, let's say. Mm. <clears throat> I think that gives a real imperative to people to be looking at not just a resource that is what you see is what you get. They need to know that it can expand. See, th this is a really interesting bit of conversation when I speak to CEOs, right? Yeah. Because most people are killed for five million ounces, right? Yeah. You can go, I, I'm good, <laughs> I'm all good with my five million, right? So Springpole's got that. And, yep. and we won't even talk about Duparquet yet. But, We've seen companies volte face uh, with their strategy and say, do you know what? Given the economic climate we're, we're seeing right now, yep. we are changing strategy. We're going to go, sm we're going to stay small, yep. get into production, get some revenue going. It's anti-dilutory. Yep. Our shareholders will thank us and love us, and that's fantastic, right? And that's fine. I've seen yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it. Um, it says they've got very little confidence in, in terms of the cycle, but um, that's what they're doing, and that's yep. fine. Yeah. But... If you've got a bigger district out there, you make decision, you, and you make a decision on going small now, but then kind of maybe try and release the value of the bigger district later, you may build your plant in the wrong place. You will build a plant that will be smaller than you would have liked. And, and you know, it's our, our chief operating officer uses this line with me all the time. It's like that the things that you scope in and don't build are not free, yeah. right? Yep. You're going to pour That's a concrete a pad. You are going to leave space for your second, for your second mill. Um, that's not free. That costs you an NPV of that project. Mm. And so then when you get into a more robust market, where people want to buy developers, where strategics are starting to get interested yep. again, you know, do you want them focused on the 275 million NPV project or the billion NPV? I, I totally, I totally kind of get that, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I kind of like it. If you think thinking big is thinking big, it's great. Um, but also, some sometimes 
thinking small and getting the thing going is also fine. <coughs> Indeed. No, you're 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 on a on a very good point there. Yeah. Which which you know the opportunity to look at the projects in a smaller way. We have that at Duparquet. And when we talk about what the game plan is at Duparquet, it is taking a step back. It was scoped in a pre-feasibility study at 10,000 tons mm. per day. But as we looked at the resource, one of the things that we saw is a higher grade, smaller starter resource mm. at a lower strip ratio. So in the heart of the Abitibi at Duparquet, there is you know, a 20-something million ounce in indicated resource greater than two grams in an open pit. If you take that even smaller, there's something you could scope at, let's say, 5,000 tons a day to have an eight or nine year mine life that would be 2.2, 2.3 grams open pitable at a five or six to one strip <laughs> in the middle of the Abitibi. Mm. Sub, you know, what's the capital cost going to be? Well, we can benchmark a few other 5,000 ton per day but operations. Given, given it, which is great. So I think yeah. there's a good conversation. Hopefully yeah. people are going, well, actually, that's interesting how companies need to view the, these things and how they need to view how they fund all, all of yeah. these activities. But also, given it's in the heart of the Abitibi, I'm just wondering how far you go with it. Do you need to get into production to go and grab a... I know you just bought it. Yeah. But you could polish it up and, and flip it on because it may be worth a lot more to someone else in the Abitibi region, right? So you must, you yeah. must be constantly weighing up how do we play this? Because there's some yeah. quick wins, and then there's a long-term game of, well, look at us. We've got all of these answers and yeah. all this production. I think if you look at the fact that we are going to hold, I think, the largest open pit and highest grade open pit gold project in the Abitibi mm. after Agnico, mm. when they finish with the acquisition of Yamana, it leaves you just in a, in a bit of a sense that there is some real unique strategic angles to this project in a district that is, you know, um, a pretty highly coveted place to operate. See, I love it. Okay, this isn't just about mining. No. This, this, this is about strategy and placing yourself and knowing the construct of your own portfolio. Yeah. I find that almost more fascinating than the producing the answers, which is where the money is, I know. <laughs> but it's a very important part because, you know, as your CFO yep. quite rightly points out, it's, it's, some of, it's, the, it's the mistakes that you make by going too, or, too early or, you know, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time or yep. doing, the, doing the wrong thing at the right time. Yep. Yeah, sometimes works out too. Um, so it's, it's truly fascinating. Um, right, we better, we'd better get back to the mining, mining yep. bit here rather than, rather than strategy. So... Um, you last we spoke, you picked up Du Parquet, all very new and, yep. and shiny. You've had a, a couple more months ish to get your feet under the table. What are you learning? What are you seeing? Do you now know what you need to do with that project? Yeah, so I think uh, important part is getting underway with a lot of the environmental baseline work that's going on, environmental sampling. That's underway. Uh, we had our first community meeting in Du Parquet, where believe it or not, I actually did part of a presentation, well, did my part of the presentation in French, which was a big growth moment for someone whose French is not that strong. Right. Um, but in a really interesting, you know, a town of 700 people, we had 160 people at our first community meeting. 
Like just take that okay. in the in the context of a municipal why? election. Why? Why? Why is that? They think, oh, where where are the jobs coming from? Well, or, you know, or, what is it? It was interesting. I think it was uh, you know the the deposit sits right near the town. Mm-hmm. You had a number of people coming to express concerns about how close the deposit right. is, and and people broadly in the Abitibi have lived through Malartic, yeah, and you know that whole process. Um, so for some people it was concern. For some okay. people it was just an expression of you know real eagerness to work with the company and just real curiosity on on what the game plan is. And part of it is this asset has been owned largely by a group of private shareholders since 1953. And there was never a lot of collaboration with the town or the citizens of the town. They just, they kind of kept quiet. You didn't go behind the fence and, you know, just don't ask us what's going on. So I think for us as a public company and a good citizen showing up, you know, in an open and transparent fashion, introducing ourselves six weeks in to owning the project just helps set a real tone for how we want to work with the municipality and and the openness with the with the citizens. So we had a really great response. Um, like I say, they, at community meetings, typically it's the people with the strongest concerns that that speak first and loudest, yeah. <clears throat> and that was the case. But you know, there was one uh, one guy stood up at the end of the meeting and said, "Son, I just I, I do, do it in French." No, don't. Yeah, il a dit que I won't. I'll, I'll spare the, uh-huh. the crux viewers, my French. Um, but he said, um, you know, it's you've heard a lot of sort of negativity here in some of the mm-hmm. comments. We just want you to know that most of us here think it's amazing that you've owned this project for six weeks and you're here to talk to us. Okay. Right. And that there's a lot of us here really interested in seeing what you're going to do and how we can work together. And then there was a round of applause from the silent majority in the audience, Very right? Good. So, you know, we left that feeling super positive. It's like CO.ca. <laughs> That's yeah, except there's no silent majority on CEO. No, there's, there's a huge silent majority. <laughs> is there? Yeah, yeah, they just don't jump to my defense when my tie's the wrong color. <laughs> We're not even going to mention that today. You're, obviously, the World Cup's on. You're supporting Holland. No, you know what? It's uh, I, I wear this tie uh, in all seriousness in uh, honor of survivors of residential schools in Canada and sort of orange shirt day. Is it that? Is that it was November 30th. Right. But uh, I when I, I give public presentations and people ask, I don't make a big point of it, but I do wear the tie in, yeah. in so honor of It is of a shirt. No, I've seen this before. Yes, orange shirt day. So, uh, And it's a long story. The the yeah. the uh, viewers can look up in in Canada, but it's now all part of truth and reconciliation yeah, yeah, with Indigenous yeah, yeah. peoples. So uh, David Cates from uh, Danison, come on, all right, talk about it for a bit. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's just my that's what you're doing it. My uh, you know, it's uh, not your conference tie. Like you can see me from the, the other side of the room. It that doesn't hurt. A little bit of that, it doesn't right? hurt. Yeah. But uh, whenever people ask, I get to, I get to talk a little bit about. Uh, you know, our, uh, our support for Indigenous communities. Good, 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 good. Look, um, it's good to see you. I mean, yeah. I know we spoke a month ago, but yeah. I, just, I, just, I just kind of felt while you're here, let, let's have a chat, because like I say, you could have got a big strategic toy in front yeah. of you almost. It's sad. I don't mean to sound glib about that, but it is, it's quite exciting to have the options that you've got on the table. Yeah. And I'm intrigued to see how you play the game. Yeah. Because... There's some good stuff that can happen. No, there really is. And I think, uh, you know, what what all of these cards give us is 
a lot of catalysts in the next two and a half years. Mm. So spring polls going through all the catalysts on the EA side will likely do a, you know, an updated pre-feasibility study, an updated feasibility study, mm. and you know, final approval, which is now call it two and a half years away. Like that's within an investment yeah, yeah, yeah. decision horizon, I think, for for a more institutional audience. Sure. And at the same time, at Duparquet, in the next six months, we'd like to get an updated economic study out, so you can actually look at what how we might look at mm. moving that project forward. Um, probably a PEA first would be my sense. Uh, but we're just finalizing the decisions on that. Uh, we want to get drilling to you know, do a little bit of infill, mm. but also really be able to tell people what the geology is there. Because that's something that I think has been widely misunderstood. And we were at the site a couple of weeks ago. James Maxwell, our VPX, was there. And you know, some of the holes that he's pulling out, he's like, did, did you know that... like?" Some of the grades are like this, like a mm. hundred meters of three grams in this open pit. Like there's some, you know, tens of meters of five and seven grams. Like there's some really juicy stuff in there. Right. So something for him to get his get his hand around. But I think between some of that exploration work that we'd like to get going on, uh, you know, economic studies on two five million ounce projects that we want to see moving forward and uh, ability to talk to people about progress we're making on the environmental assessment side. Um, yeah, lots to talk about. There is. Thanks for coming in. Okay, Appreciate thank time. you. Yeah, Cheers. pleasure as always.